Sign up with MyBookie and use our promo code GATERS to get your first ever deposit match dollar for dollar. Bet anything, anywhere, anytime with MyBookie. Get the Manscaped Performance Package at manscaped.com for 20% off, plus free shipping when you use code GATERSBREAK20. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Sunday after, day after, Florida defeats Vanderbilt 42 to nothing. Get the shutout there for the Gators defense. But here we go. Looking at the game, knows a little inconsistent performance from the Gators. We'll get into to, to, to all that, but still win, 42-0 uh, over Vanderbilt. Good to get back on the winning side of things after last week, of course. Probably can hear it in my voice a little bit. Uh, that, uh, you know, enjoying a Gator victory much more so than the defeat of last week uh, at the hands of Kentucky. So lots to get into here, Florida, Vanderbilt, of course. But uh, I'm going to make an announcement. I know a lot of you had mentioned it or have seen it on Twitter uh, after it was mentioned and announced last week. Uh, Finally, part of the Gator Collective uh, and ambassador for the Gator Collective. So going to help student athletes, future student athletes for the University of Florida. If you want to help in recruiting, <laughs> yeah, eventually, you know, this, this is what this is basically built for. Uh, letting student athletes build their name, image, and likeness. This is a way for fans to join in and help in that regard. You can join the Gator Collective. There's the link in the description here on YouTube. It be in the link. It will be in the link of the podcast description as well for your chance uh, to join the Gator Collective and help out these uh, Gator student athletes. So if you want to help, you want Florida to be better in recruiting, this is one way, one step to do so. You can join the Gator Collective. As I said, the uh, link is in the description. It gives you all the info you need. In a couple of weeks, we will do a Q&A style episode. So people can, if you have more questions about the Gator Collective, uh, where it's heading, what's it for, how much players are involved. Uh, you get, look, I mean, part of it, you get a whole lot of content there with the Gator Collective as well. Some unique interviews, unique perspectives from student athletes that have already signed uh, with the Gator Collective. So already student athletes are taking advantage of it uh, and you can help them along the way. So uh, all the info is in the link in the description. So there we go. Let's get into Florida Vanderbilt 42, nothing victory for the Gators. Much of this game for versus Vanderbilt was um, uh, about what you wanted or needed to see. And uh, that's kind of from your perspective. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. I think there is a, a blanket out there that a lot of us wanted to see you know, a return to focus, um, <laughs> this team come out on a fiery, um, you know, fiery mindset going against Vanderbilt. But it looked like you might get that the first couple drives of the game from both sides of the ball. Uh, Gators score touchdowns on their first two possessions on offense. Defense forced two, three and outs on their first three, uh, two of their first three drives. It was going about in the way it was supposed to go <laughs> for Florida versus Vanderbilt. You're playing a bad team. You get up quick. Defense is getting off the field. Some credit there. Credit's deserved there for uh, a, a pretty good start there for Florida. First drive had some had some explosives with a a pass of 32 from Emory to Whittemore, uh, and then a nice shifty run by Naquan Wright for 34 yards down to the goal line. So we're going to kind of go through the game here, um, mostly first half, early second half. That was pretty much the story of the game here. So we'll, we'll go through 
uh, and kind of piece some things together here about this Gator performance there. But some explosives off the, to, to start with, uh, that Naquan Wright, that 34-yard run was down to the goal line, then Damian Pierce scores. Then on the second job, drive, Jaquavion Frazier gets his second touchdown in as many weeks. Okay, all right. Stay aggressive, stay aggressive and continue this uh, early onslaught that you had on both sides of the ball. And then that didn't happen. Florida showed their inconsistency, probably the best word for it. Uh, when you look at the, the whole game there, a lack of focus, sloppiness, however you want to define it, it's all right. <laughs> you can define the, the, the overall performance just like that. You got off to a good start, better start, uh, but then kind of just fell off a little bit. Inconsistency, probably still the best word for this Gator team right now. And uh, this game uh, encompassed that. Anthony Richardson comes in. Third drive of the game, throws an interception. That started a pretty bad stretch for Florida. Went up 14-0 already. After the Anthony Richardson interception, the defense gives up a drive aided by a couple 15-yard penalties. Uh, now, I think you can question those penalties, but, but they happen. Uh, Vandy ends up missing a field goal. Gators catch a break. AR comes back in. Nine-yard pass to set up a second and one. Throws a screen to Copeland, and Copeland dances around, loses a yard instead of you know just running forward, getting an easy first down. Uh, so, of course, the chain reaction happens there for Florida. A third and two, Zipper gets called for illegal formation. Now it's third and seven. Offense fails to convert. There we go. Little things now are starting to add up for Florida. And like I said, the focus just looked like it had kind of fallen uh, right there after a good start for the Gators. Uh, Vandy gets the ball, then stays on the field for a 14-play, 53-yard drive, dinking, dunking their way down the field, eating six and a half minutes of the second quarter away with that drive. Defense couldn't get off the field. Vandy, and this was after, you know, three and outs <laughs> with the defense uh, for, for this Gator defense. Vandy converts two third downs on the drive, a fourth down on the drive as well, but they miss another field goal. So defense stands strong at times. Forces those field goals, Vandy misses the field goals. Then another drive for the Florida offense that went nowhere. Uh, Vandy gets the ball back after only six plays for the Gator offense. Vandy comes out with a gain of 10, a gain of 13, and now in Florida territory again. And then a great defensive call. Brent Cox pressures Ken Seals. Daquan Newkirk falls back in coverage, gets the interception. A defensive lineman with an interception for Florida. There we go. So uh, that's the first interception of the Gators for the day. Of course, we'll get into the second one later. But great to see. It wasn't really going good for the defense at the time, and you found a way to manufacture a turnover. So a uh, good bounce back there for the defense. So after a lot of plays for Vanderbilt, you know, the, the defense makes a stand. How does the Florida offense respond? Exactly like you hoped they would. First play of the ensuing drive, 50-yard, 51-yard pass from Emory to right over the middle of the field. A better throw, and it's six right there. But we got to see Emory pull the trigger on the pass deep down the field, gains big yards. Three plays later, a beauty of a throw from Emory Jones to Trent Whittemore on a corner route in the back of the end zone. Great placement, great catch. Emory is rolling to his left, 21 nothing Gators. Pretty much the game, of course, but uh, – you know, good. As I said, really good pass to right, but way to bounce back from Emory too. But putting another, I mean, just great pass in the corner of the end zone. Maybe not have would been needed if uh, you'd hit the right to the pass to right just a bit better. Uh, but you know, at, at least right now he showed the ability to make a throw like that in the Whittemore. Now look, that doesn't really matter who the defense is right there. That was a, a really good throw from Emory in the corner. 
Really good catch by Whittemore. 21 nothing Gators. So, you look, about four minutes left in the first half. You would love to get another drive on offense right before halftime for the Gators. But the defense, once again, can't get off the field in the first half. And, look, we're not being nitpicky here. You see Dan Mullen frustrated on the sideline. Yeah, Florida's up 21 nothing. Probably should be up more, because, but the defense is giving up some of these long drives. And I know fan base, well, it's 42 nothing. How can you really complain about a win or anything? It, it's the little things that you just need to see improvement on moving forward for this Gator team, especially after last week. We saw the little things add up to a loss. Let's see the little things add up to an even bigger victory than probably what it should have been, 42 nothing, And that's that's what Dan Mullen is frustrated about. That's what a lot of the fan base is frustrated about. So, look, I don't think it's nitpicking here uh, when you look at this, especially when you see how the head man, head coach reacts uh, to this as well. So defense can't get off the field once again right before halftime. Gives up a 13-play, 73-yard drive, taking three and a half minutes off the clock. You look, you want to get your offense back on the field, not able to. Because the defense can't get off the, the, the field here. Dan Mullen frustrated with Todd Grantham, as you saw on the broadcast. Defense is missing tackles, whether it be horrible angles, uh, uh, trying to arm tackle. Those things combined, those things are related uh, a couple times as well. So horrible angles leads to arm tackles and not squaring up and hitting your man. Had a holding penalty on Avery Helm on this drive as well as the wide receiver gets past him. Just another drive and a lack of focus by this defense. Uh, I, I know we can sit here and say, you know, inconsistent performance on defense. Uh, if we're going to point at the what we call inconsistent lack of focus, is that going to be normal? Does that mean this Florida defense at times is bad? At, uh, an opponent like this, I, yeah, I, I, I do think you know some of those blitzes that we saw from way out there that don't get there. I don't think we'll see him called as much uh, in some of these other games. I remember seeing him a whole lot the first couple games, not getting there uh, and against Vanderbilt as well. Uh, so I, I think we can calm those down just a little bit. <laughs> they're not getting, they're not getting anywhere, but anyway, uh, just another drive lack of focus by this defense. And look, but I will give him credit once again, standing up here at the end, Vandy had a first and goal at the one defense stood tall, leading to a fourth and two eventually. Shout out to Jason Marshall here for not giving up on a play where Vanderbilt's wide receiver, Chris Pierce, goes up, gets the ball in the end zone, looks like a touchdown. Jason Marshall doesn't give up, keeps fighting, was able to force Pierce to bobble the catch while going out of bounds, ends up being ruled incomplete, saving a touchdown on the Gators' defense here. Marshall showing improvement every week, playing some smart football right now. Great way to end the half for the Gators after giving up the drive. But, you know, standing tall, 21 nothing Gators, halftime. Gators scored on three or four drives. Started by Emory Jones there in the first half. Total yards at halftime looked like this. It was 215 yards for the Gators over 200 yards for Vanderbilt. Not a lot of separation there. Vanderbilt, 148 yards passing. Florida had 120. Rushing Gators went to Florida, 95 yards to 52 yards for Vanderbilt. Third down, Florida was 5 of 11. Vanderbilt 2 of 5 in the first half. Emory Jones was 7 of 12, 112 yards, two touchdown passes in the first half. Anthony Richardson 2 of 4, 8 yards, the interception. Uh, you could tell early on just the flow wasn't there. Um, but, you know, as I said, part of that was the Copeland second one, not necessarily going upfield, getting the first down, extending that drive. We would have gotten to, to see more of Anthony Richardson in that regard had another player done his job uh, there. So, 
Also got to look at Naquan Wright. 94 total yards there for Naquan Wright there in the first half. <laughs> Some big plays there by him. Just a trend of a different running back showing up. Uh, pass game, run game uh, there for this week. No Malik Davis this week. Um, we asked about uh, Davis after the game, maybe being injured. And Mullen wouldn't shed too much light on that. Not surprised there with injuries. But just the way <laughs> Dan Mullen works there about injuries, no surprise uh, there. So Ken Seals, this was kind of the story for the defense in the first half. Ken Seals was 16 to 31 attempts there in the first half, 148 yards, the interception. Uh, Vandy with a 4.1 yard average per play in the first half, almost 20 minutes time of possession for Vanderbilt in the first half. So there, that's what you saw with Dan Mullen's frustration in the first half was the defense not being able to get out the field, missing their tackles. He, and that's what he said. He mentioned and even the, the very short halftime interview there, basically saying the defense has to get better, has to play better. Um, very, very, uh, and I know how that is, <laughs> being short there uh, with, with, with the interview and a damn ball in by before halftime. You can just tell he wasn't happy. And I know uh, there's, there will be some out there. You're up 21 nothing. Well, look at Vanderbilt missing field goals. They had a goal line to go situation. You, you know why the frustration was there. Uh, and uh, look, the opponent comes into play here. You know, this should have been an opponent there that you should have easily uh, been able to take advantage of. And Florida, in some ways, was, in some ways, not. So there you go, inconsistent. Uh, as we say, you'll hear that word a lot probably this week about the Gators uh, in the last few, you know, few games there. I mean, it's kind of been the, a trend of the season, just inconsistent, up and down uh, there for the Gators. And it showed up versus Vanderbilt as well. But much easier to make up for it versus an opponent like this. And credit to the Gators for being able to do so. And we'll get there and look at that part of it in the second half of the game. But before we do, whether you're backing the Bills or Chiefs this Sunday night, the game's always more exciting when you got money on it. And you can do that at my bookie. Get in on the action. Take the games to a whole new level at my bookie. If you can't make it to bet this game, don't forget the battle Monday night between the Colts and the Ravens uh, when they go at it. Or you can even move to next week. Florida, LSU. What about the under for Georgia, Kentucky? What about that one? Did you see that? What about Tennessee Ole Miss? Another game that you might even bet the over with on that one. That looks like an exciting game. But you can bet all this action, the NFL, college football, baseball playoffs, MMA, all that right now at my bookie. Don't wait around. Join my bookie now and bet on the biggest games of the season. Use promo code GATERS and double your first deposit. Again, that's promo code GATERS to double your first deposit with my bookie and start your winning season today. Bet on anything, anywhere, anytime with my bookie. In the football season, you know what that means. We can have a little fun play on words here. It means we're going, we're going for two here with the sponsors on today's show, Manscaped. Blitzing through hairs has never been easier, and it's time for you to join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by using code GATORSBREAK20 at manscaped.com. Get 20% off plus free shipping. It's three and out the window with all the other trimmers out there. Now go tame that Wildcat offense. The Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is the perfect package for your package and the key for great grooming and hygiene routine to make sure the boys downstairs are smooth like Tom Brady in the fourth quarter. First off, the new Performance Package 4.0 includes the Lawnmower 4.0. This fourth-generation waterproof trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Turn on that LED spotlight when a more precise shave is needed. 
The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker, the best nose and ear ear trimmer out there. I've tried a lot of them. That's the one that actually works. After trimming your football, show them some love with the Manscaped Liquid Formulations, the Crop Preserver, Ball Deodorant, and Crop Reviver Ball Toner to make and to take your ball game to the next level. Manscaped even throws in two free gifts with their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers, and the Shed Travel Bag. So get 20% off plus free shipping with the code GATORSBREAK20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code GATORSBREAK20 at manscaped.com. So look, um, I know most of you heard the Dan Mullen halftime interview where he clearly wasn't happy with how the Gators were playing up 21-0. Showing some fire there in the first half on the sideline, going into the tunnel at halftime as well. So Florida needed to come out the second half with that same fire. Didn't happen right away. Florida was looking at a three and out on the first drive of the offense after halftime. Then Mullen calls the fake punt to Jeremy Crawshaw. He scampers for 28 yards. And then that lights up the Florida offense for explosives to finish this drive and the next drive after the fake punt. Didn't happen initially, though. Still some sloppy play by Florida as they get called for a false start and holding on two or three of the next plays after the, uh, uh, after the fake punt. But then the big one comes. Emory Jones finds Damian Pierce streaking down the middle of the field. Same play as right earlier. This throws a little more on target. Pierce is able to catch and run to the end zone for a 61-yard touchdown. Gators up 28-0. And with this score, you know, Florida ends up scoring 21 points in less than seven minutes to put the game away. Now, we'll get to the defense in just a second. They're much improved play in the second half as well. Uh, but this, this offense had a very nice stretch here. On the next offensive drive was the Jacob Copeland show. Jones finds him down the field. Another throw that comes up a little short there, but gain of 47 there for Copeland. Very next play, Emory finds Copeland short. Copeland does the rest as he makes a couple of defenders miss, powers his way to the end zone for 25-yard catch and run. Touchdown, 35-0 Florida Gators rolling here. Trading gets an interception on the very next Vandy drive on third and nine, setting up the Florida offense in great field position. Something we haven't seen a whole lot of this year. Florida takes advantage. Jones finds Wells for 19 yards on the first play of the ensuing offensive possession, starting at the Vandy 30-yard line there. A couple plays later, Pierce scored from a yard out, 42-0 Florida. That's the final score of the game, as the offense doesn't do much the rest of the game with either quarterback, Emory Jones or Anthony Richardson. Let's get to that great defensive performance here in the second half and uh, – Pretty much how they should have been playing the whole game. You had that in the first half a little bit, up and down. And then look, that's not just being picky. That's just, just reality. I'll give them credit for the turnaround here. Uh, and the response um, quote here, Rashad Torrance says, you know, Coach, Coach Mullen came to us at halftime in the locker room and just told us that the first half, even though they didn't score any points, it wasn't our brand of football, Torrance said. And just as a defense, we took that to heart. It was kind of like a jab because it was kind of disrespectful. We went out in the second half, just played our brand of football, and you saw that. So, you know, it stinks that after the Kentucky game, you didn't come out with that type of fire and where you played the second half, like you hopefully you would have played the first half that way, that it took another fiery moment at halftime to kind of turn around. But look, I mean, we, we've seen it. It's just an MO, a Togmentum, and, and, and a defense. Yeah, you didn't give up any points, but you saw – you saw what was happening on defense, and it wasn't the type of performance you wanted to see play in, play out, drive in, drive out. 
And that's uh, honestly, it's just it's an mo at Grantham. Though I mean, I don't know if we we'll ever get over it. There's going to be the slow starts, um, the big plays for a defense or for an opposing offense at the beginning of games. We're used to it by now. Uh, but versus this opponent coming off of last week, you wanted to see something different. Kind of did, kind of didn't, but way to adjust after halftime here for the skater defense. After giving up 200 yards in the first half, Commodores gained just 56 yards after halftime. They went one of four on third down after going four of seven in the first half. Um, so, yeah, I think I misspoke there for their their third down uh, offense earlier in the game. But, yeah, four of seven uh, there for um, them for on, on third down uh, for Vanderbilt. So, one of four in the second half, four of seven in the first half. Uh, I like what I saw from Trey Dean, Jason Marshall on the day. I mean, Dean, uh, really aggressive in coverage, breaking on the ball. Uh, then in position for the interception later in the game as well. I think his best game in pass coverage uh, that I've seen from trading Jason Marshall getting another start on the back end uh, or at corner uh, with Kyrie Elam out again. He played, a, I thought, a smart game, knowing when to use the sideline as a defender. Did did get beat in the end zone that one play I mentioned earlier, but doesn't give up on the play, forces an incompletion on a would-be touchdown. Uh, well, we're seeing a defensive back that's getting more comfortable every week. He's playing the ball more so, getting his head around. Um, something we've lacked at the, on, on the, in the defensive secondary the last couple of years. Uh, and we're starting to see that with the true freshman come over here and you know playing some really good ball lately. And look, let me go back to safety for a second, too. I can't forget uh, and mention the play of Rashad Torts. I mean, everywhere on the field, not a lot, a lot of nice pursuit flying around on the field, ends up with 15 total tackles, five solo, one and a half tackle for loss. He had 13 tackles in the first half alone, did Torrance. So, look, I'm pointing that out right now. The next step on this back end, how much better do they get once Elam comes back? These young guys have gotten experience now in the last few weeks with him out. Tie that together. We're getting one of the best defensive backs, if not the best defensive back in the country, uh, at least cornerback in the country. And let's see how much that helps. Uh, Mullen says they hope to get some injured players back next week, Elam being one of them. Um, we talked to him after the game. Mullen said on Elam, he warmed up where he wanted to play. Trainers told him that he could play in an emergency. That didn't make Mullen feel too confident in this throwing him out there, still possibly before he's 100% ready. Elam assured Dan Mullen that he will be ready next week versus LSU. So we'll see. We'll see what that means. Uh, you know, a lot of people um, – Take to heart what Dan Mullen says about injuries, and Mullen has kind of hinted that he might play, but we haven't seen him now uh, since the Alabama game. So we'll see. But I think it may be a blessing in disguise some some way, shape, or form in the last few weeks of getting Helm, Marshall, those guys more experienced and getting ready now for some depth. Opposite side of Kyrie Elam when he comes back. I think you start feeling a little bit better about the secondary uh, but we know the tests are coming up. So not the best test uh, with Vanderbilt. You know, Ken Seals, I mean, he had some success in the first half versus this Todd Grantham defense after throwing for over 300 yards on Todd Grantham's defense last year. Uh, so, you know, some easy completions, some easy runs after the catch, some breaking tackles for this Vanderbilt offense. But, but Seals with another start, defense clamped down uh, and showed up. A lot of it to do with this Florida Gator secondary. So overall defense, tackling bad early, uh, you know, would-be tackles in the backfield, but not being able to wrap up. 
Vanderbilt getting some of those yards I just talked about, couldn't get off the field, blitzes that still don't get home. Um, but I won't overlook the good. Two interceptions, forcing field goals, the goal line stop, you know, the interceptions there, different styles. You had a, a Brenton Cox pressure, Newkirk dropping back. You get that pick. The Dean pick, I think Diabate was flying in there. Seals had to get rid of the ball. Dean picks it off. You know, so you're manufacturing there. The turnovers, like I said, I want to go back and, and mention trading breaking on the ball for the, a lot of those pass breakups. And so we don't see a whole lot over this Gators secondary. We are seeing tighter coverage back there on a more consistent basis now uh, for this Gators secondary. So I do think they're, they're, they are coming around a bit. I still got to see that consistency and consistency in tackling. That's the biggest issue right now uh, for this Gator defense. You've got to got to start getting better in that in that tackling area. And look, I, I didn't think we started the season as bad as we have previous seasons, but for whatever reason, maybe more, partly because competition is ramping up a bit as well. But you know, the, the tackling issue is coming back up a little bit more. Uh, so Florida's got to you know, go to Baton Rouge next week. Definitely got to make sure it's there. Maybe this is something you can hopefully reassess in the bye week uh, ahead of Georgia. But here we go. You know, Florida's first defensive shutout in 21 games. First time since 2019, November, after they defeated Vanderbilt once again, 56 nothing. So two out of the last three games versus Vanderbilt are shutouts for the Gators. 56 to nothing there in 2019. Shift to the other ball. Uh, no, never mind. Yeah, Florida's 88 uh, rushing yards allows the team lowest total so far this season as well. Vanderbilt only 88 rushing yards. So Gators fourth game holding an opponent under 100 yards rushing this year. Uh, look, this is a Vandy team now that has shown potential in the run game. They really, if you listen to the preview uh, of, the, of the game, Vanderbilt ran for 247 yards on Stanford a few weeks ago. So for a comparison's sake, we like to compare a little bit. <laughs> Florida held them to 88 rushing yards after they gained 247 a few weeks ago in Stanford. With 287 total yards allowed, the Gators allowed under 300 total yards for the first time this season. Florida's 199 passing yards allowed is the team's third game of the season, allowing under 200 passing yards. Last one here, entering the game ranked second in the SEC, tied for ninth nationally with 17 sacks. Gators got three more versus Vanderbilt for 20 sacks on the season. So, what, four and two? Halfway through the season, halfway through the season, the Gators have 20 sacks. Before, you know, it still hasn't been that big of an issue of getting the sack numbers there for a Todd Grantham defense. It's more about when you get them. And we'll know a lot more, I think, in the next couple of weeks. You go against a pretty good passing offense in LSU uh, next week. As much as they are struggling, their passing offense has been pretty good lately uh, th this season for the most part. But they do lose Keyshawn Boutte more than likely. He went down in the game versus Kentucky. And now you got Georgia in a couple of weeks. So what do your sack numbers look like there? Not just number, but when you actually get them in important parts of the game. That's what we're looking for, and mostly in sacks with Todd Grantham. Not the number, when they show up. All right, let's move on to the offense before we wrap up here. Explosives making the difference and contributing to scoring drives. You know me. I'll stress explosive plays over and over and over again until I'm blue in the face. <laughs> That's just a big difference to me in college football here. Uh, look, as far as deep passes, Mullen said, Going back to last week and the lack of them versus Kentucky, maybe even a lack of them before that, just a bit. Mullen said Vanderbilt's defense allowed for more deep shots to be taken. 
Coverage dictates where the ball goes, Mullen says. Quote, always coverage-based. Okay. Uh, but I think we can tell the downfield passing attack was a focus for this offense, no matter the coverage. Some of those throws could have been made last week as well and some of the similar coverages that Vanderbilt was showing compared to Kentucky. Um, look, and they just weren't attempted last week. We know that. Uh, but they were versus Vanderbilt. Emory Jones did let loose in this one, uh, at least to give his receivers a chance on some of these throws. Most of the ones downfield ended up short. Great adjustments by the receivers, uh, and, the, and the explosive play still happens, but could have been even better. Uh, but at least we see the read and the throw being made by Emory Jones, maybe a little slow, maybe a little behind, but some progress, especially compared to the week before. But here's the big thing. Those plays, and this is why I like explosive plays, and I'm not breaking any news. This is not an original thought, of course. But these lead these plays lead to scores. That's why they're so important, especially for an offense like this that is kind of inconsistent right now. You've got to be able to hit the big plays and capitalize on the big plays. And I know that's what's been missing. And I know many will point to the opponents, but some of those same throws could have been made last week too. So hopefully this translates to more throws down the field as the season moves along. Maybe this is the first step in that. So no surprise. These explosives led to scores. The first touchdown drive of the game had explosives of Whittemore, 32-yard catch, 34-yard right run. Second touchdown drive, Emory with a 16-yard run on fourth and one, possibly a much bigger play if he throws the ball to Henderson earlier in the read, uh, but Emory runs for the first down. Florida goes on the score. Third touchdown was set up by Emory to right pass, 51 yards. There you go. Fourth touchdown was the Pierce 61-yard catch and run, so the explosive directly led to a score. Fifth touchdown was back-to-back Copeland explosives for 47 and 25 yards. And the last touchdown was in great field position, aided by a 19-yard catch by Rick Wells. So the explosives related to scores, some directly, some eventually. But there you go. That's That was the story of getting Florida scoring versus Vanderbilt, all the explosives that led to all those scoring plays. So I harp on them so much, especially for this offense, you know, somewhat inconsistent, the run game, not as explosive as it has been. You know, you need to see the explosives continue there, but also you see the ones in the passing game that are now that have, that did lead to scores versus Vanderbilt. So look, there's going to be ups and downs. And then with this, the ups right now must be the form and explosives with this Gator offense, you know, these 10, 11 play drives, they're hard to convert to points all season long, especially now the tape on Florida and how much they like to run ball, how they run the ball. Now, we didn't see Emory reuse his legs a bit more, and I think that was by design versus Vanderbilt as well. Um, but, you know, we saw the aggression pay off for the Florida passing attack, hopefully a sign that if the play is there or if the coverage dictates it, if the coverage is there, then take advantage. And, and you just might see more explosives to help aid the offense especially when the run game isn't performing like it had been earlier in the season with a beat-up offensive line right now. Uh, I think that that's, that's part of it. So I know it was Vandy, but this da- downfield passing attack needed some focus, needed some attention, and if the, player was ne- if the play was there to be made, it needed to be made, and it was, for the most part. So when, some better throws, hopefully, come, come out of this. Um, Emory's got the arm, so uh, maybe not, you know, not following through the footwork, Still need some work in, the, in that regard to get some more oomph on the ball. We know he has it, 
uh, by, you know, so the, an, an aggressive mindset helps lead to that. So hopefully leads to some better throws along the way. Some uh, notables here for the Florida offense scored 40 points for the 17th time under Mullen, 44 games, and the third time in the program's last eight games. So scored 40 points for the 17th time under Mullen. It's five more 40-point games than the Gators accumulated all the way from 2010 to 2017. So from Muschamp to McElwain, the Gators have five more 40-point games. 44 games from Mullen, that was 101 games. So still the, the progress on the offensive line. You know, big picture is like, okay, you know, we can kind of move on. It's time to move on from the Muschamp McElwain days. But when comparing, you know, to kind of look a little closer – and comparing what's going on, I mean, it's not even close there for, for, for the offense and the theme here. Emory Jones recorded his, recorded his first career game of three-plus passing touchdowns, four touchdown passes, also setting a career high with 273 yards passing. So I know it was Vanderbilt, but that, that's the stat you'd, you'd love to see, you know, and especially if he's going to run the ball a bit more. You'd like to have that 250 through the air and some plays with those legs coming up. You know, Vanderbilt had a lot of plays in this game, so it kind of kept the Florida offense on the sideline a bit more than Dan Mullen wanted to. Uh, that played into it as well uh, for, for, for these offensive stats. But even with the like, limited plays, limited number of drives there for the Florida offense, Emory Jones still sets his career high, four touchdown passes and 273 yards passing. Uh, quick, yeah, quick thing on AR. I know a lot of people wanted more snaps there. He did throw the interception early. Um, now not really a good decision um, there, there by AR. Showing a little, showing he's a little bit human, uh, a little bit. Competition's, of course, ramped up. And look, he knows uh, he's not going to go out there and score every play as well. I don't think he's getting frustrated in that regard from what I can gather uh, out there. And I know a lot of people want to, bring up the, the frustration and bring up the word transfer with Anthony Richardson. That's not even in the cards right now. So get over that. That's not happening. Um, he likes being a Gator. He wants to be a Gator. I can tell you right now, as of October 10th, or as we're recording this, that talk is not even entering his mind. That thought's not even entering uh, <laughs> Anthony Richardson's mind. He wants to learn more. And look, he kind of understands what's going on uh, right now. So, yeah, I mean, and I will say probably a little more conservative play calling there w w with him. I uh, did have the interception. As I said, a lot, I would like to see his second drive go a little longer, not really any uh, fault of his own. As I said, Jacob Copeland needs to convert that shorter play uh, into, you know, a second one. You have a screen, go get the first down. That drive would have continued uh, a bit longer there. Uh, John, um, Richardson did get pressured uh, on, on his throws uh, too. So that, that plays into it, but you know, a lot to learn, a lot to get in there. I still think an explosive play waiting to happen there uh, for Anthony Richardson. So I still want to see him get the care, uh, get the get the snaps, get more, um, you know, playing. I probably would have put him in a couple drives earlier than Dan Mullen really did. I probably want to work on some things with Emory Jones as well. So I can't fault that too much, but you know, I look at it a different way too. You know, I probably like to see AR in there a drive or two earlier uh, than when he was put in there. So. You know, while an inconsistent, unfocused at times performance from the Gators, there was some good to take away from this game versus Vanderbilt. A, a more aggressive passing attack, multiple players getting involved in those explosive plays. Emory Jones showing more progress for the defense, creating those turnovers, gaining more valuable experience, especially in the secondary. 
moving on now, moving on into the make or break part of the season versus LSU and Georgia coming up. Not the perfect showing by any means versus Vanderbilt, but plenty to take away in some areas we wanted to see as the Gators go to those two big games coming up in the coming weeks. So I think that's how you can take this game right now. Got to take some of the signs of progress that we see. Hopefully those translate, get expounded on some more. Gather it all up, go to Baton Rouge on the road. You've got to, we, we've got to see the improvement there. Um, now it does help. It's a noon game in Baton Rouge on ESPN. You don't get that night crowd. Uh, it still can be as far as as big as that crowd can be. And I'm not going sure, not so sure they're going to show up as early as an, on an 11 a.m. start there in Baton Rouge, uh, but can still, you know, if they're ready to go, if they're ready to kind of cheer their team on, you're still going to get that loud crowd atmosphere that you got back in Kentucky last week. So where did you make the improvements up front to make sure the communication is there from the offensive line to the quarterback, especially along that offensive line, the cadence, the clap, all that stuff needs to be worked on. So that was something we weren't necessarily going to see at home in the swamp this year. You know, we didn't get my wish of having the crowd be so loud for the offensive line so that we could get some practice there. Uh, yes, that's a joke. Um but there you go. Uh, yeah, that's what you got to take from this one. Take, t- t- take the, the take the little bit of good, the progress that we saw, and hopefully that translates there. Because like I said some of it can. And the open receivers that were there last week in the play calls that Emory Jones did not see was a little more willing to pull the trigger this week uh, versus Vanderbilt. So we need to see that trend continue. That's the biggest one for me on offense and um, for this defense. Just some better starts, but that's a just a rec- recurring theme there for the defense. It is what it is. So. <laughs> All right, let's get into it before we sign off and here with our look around the SEC this week. And, man, there were some exciting games around the Southeastern Conference here on week six. Starting there at noon as well. It was the same time as Florida Vanderbilt. You had the 52-51 thriller. Ole Miss knocks off Arkansas. 52-51, Arkansas scores late. Goes for the two-point conversion. They do not get the two-point conversion. Ole Miss escapes at home 52-51. to Tennessee continuing their offensive onslaught, 45 points. They got off to a very, very fast start. South Carolina clawed their way back a little bit, but that was a final score of 45-20. to Tennessee offense is humming since playing Florida, being held to 14 points a couple weeks ago. Tennessee coming out now, pedal to the metal for that Josh Heupel offense. Four and two, I think. Uh, yeah, Tennessee. So, improving. Georgia will be your new number one team this week. That's what we'll get into that, of course. But 34-10 victory over Auburn. That was their first big road game this week on the Plains. That uh, that was for Georgia. You know, it was uh, pretty much Georgia get up, gets up a couple scores, kind of stays up by a couple scores in that game versus Auburn. Auburn had a little bit of – little bit – yeah, I guess so, yeah. Uh, they they had some chances. Wide receivers dropped the ball. Uh, they couldn't get the running game going on a consistent basis, but you know they, they, they drove into Georgia territory a few times, um, set on field goals, finished drives they couldn't finish as well. Uh, but a lot of it, man, the receivers did not help Bo Nix out there as Georgia defeats Auburn 34-10. Missouri, 48-35 victory over North Texas. The next game... Florida's last week opponent, Kentucky, defeats 
Florida's next opponent, LSU, 42 to 21. Kentucky ran the ball down LSU's throat. So something you hope Florida can take advantage of next week as well. Um, Will Levis there making plays for Kentucky. I mean, you look at that performance and I mean, a little more impressive probably what Florida did on defense last week. Uh, I, I would say, well, I think we already thought and have said as much. It was a pretty good performance by the Gator defense last week. Even more so when you look at the way LSU could not do much versus Kentucky's offense. Will Levis plays well. They run up and down the field in that LSU defense. I mean, Florida didn't let that happen. 42-21 sets up an undefeated matchup between Georgia and Kentucky next week in Athens. And then the shocker of the day, Texas A&M kind of just not being able to put it together after the quarterback goes down earlier in the year. But host Alabama, and they come out with a victory, 41-38. to Alabama took a lead late. You probably thought that was it. Nope. A&M puts it together, upsets Jimbo Fisher, beats Nick Saban, 41-38. That was a heck of a game. <laughs> heck of a game there. Glad I stayed up late there and, and watched that one. You know, the CBS games can take about four hours. <laughs> All the commercials, they've had to fit in now for, for football. But gutsy performance there from Texas A&M. You, you, you thought once Alabama looked like they were kind of finding their groove there late in that game that they wouldn't be able to come back. But Texas A&M – definitely deserves all the credit in the world, getting that big win at home versus Alabama. So the number one team in the nation goes down week six of the season that will set up the hated Georgia Bulldogs as the number one team in the country. So with Florida, I mean, I, I don't think Kentucky's going to beat Georgia. We'll see how, how, how that game goes, but could be looking at in a couple weeks in Jacksonville, Florida will face their second number one team in the country this time. Alabama earlier in the year, this time Georgia. When they'll take that number one mantle away from Alabama this week. So there is your look around the SEC this week. Some exciting games there around the conference. Interested in that Georgia-Kentucky game. Luckily, luckily for Florida fans, you can watch Florida LSU and then watch Georgia-Kentucky after that one. All right, that'll do it right here on this episode of Gators Bull Breakdown. We'll look back at the 42 to nothing victory for the Gators over Vanderbilt. I am the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Got some girls out there. Thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.